No difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. You know, I literally knew you were going with this, but like. I decided that literally 20 minutes ago. So obviously we're psychic now. Yeah, we are. Because I. Because in my mind, I was like, I was like, he's gonna sing the When You Wish Upon a Star theme. Like, um,. I just knew that. So maybe, but maybe this yes. is just like, what other thing would you do? Right. It was either a quote or I do zippity doodah, but Wish Upon a Star has pointedly been pushed to zippity replace doo-da? zippity as the Disney song. That used to be the Disney song. That used to be like the song people associated with Disney. And now it's like, it... well, now that we've all agreed to just bury all everything, everything connected to that deep underground and pour lead over it. Again, isn't it <laughs> astonishing? A hundred year company. And there's like maybe five things that they've just completely abandoned or given up on. Yeah. And that's one of them. Um, and we're here today to bring it back to your memory. <laughs> yes, that's you our can't entire get away Disney from 100 your sins episode. That easily, Disney. <laughs> you think this lead under 200 feet underground is going to stop me? Nope. I'm already yeah. at rock bottom. I can dig deeper, baby. Yeah. Like, um, see, see, you were worried about Disney potentially, like, copyright claiming us or, or just, like, coming at us with a cease and desist of, for using their name. No, no. It'll be for insisting on talking about Song of the South. Yeah, that's our... That's like, what will that's get our, us. I love that's our version of, like, A Few Good Men, like, or, no, All the President's Men, which, or whatever movie, whichever one is about Watergate, whichever one mm-hmm. is about, like, you know... Um, the, you know, Deep Throat and the, you know, Mm -hmm. the Washington Post people trying to expose Nixon. I love our version of that is, we need to talk about Song of the South. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Also, what my original bit was going to be is, think about how desperate you have to be in life. Think about how, like, few avenues you have to go down that you would wish upon a podcast. I don't even know how you would wish, like, what does that mean? Like, wish upon a podcast that's insanity Uh i don't like i don't even know what that would look like i mean there's only one thing that rivals the amount of stars in the sky and it's podcast that's true (laughs) that is absolutely true i I mean all right i have to pull us out of the smoke one of us has to wake up realize we're in a burning car and pull the other out welcome to the disney desk everyone (laughs) carter here and i'm sydney and today is actually, despite that utter nonsense you just had to listen to for four yeah. uninterrupted minutes, <laughs> this is a very special day because today we are celebrating the Disney 100. Is it is today, like as of the date of this recording, the actual 100? By the time they listen to this, it will be basically Disney Anniversary Eve. The Walt Disney oh, Company, okay. or as it was originally identified, the Disney Brothers Studio, or if you really want to get technical, um, no, no, they don't consider, I don't think they count Laugh-O-Grand Studios as a part of this lineage. I think they only I count see. from when they rebranded as Walt uh, Disney Brothers Studios. Okay. 
October 16th, which is this Monday, 100 years ago, was when Walt and Roy founded the Disney Brothers Studios. Um, and, yeah. So, That's literally, so as you hear this, it's an, it's the Dis- Disney's 100 years old. That's insanity. But also, like, you brought up something interesting because they, I feel like in all of the Disney history that I'm familiar with, I feel like they rarely make reference to the company being named Disney Brothers. Right. I rarely see that. Right. They usually just cut it down to Disney. Like, basically our entire life, it's, it's just Disney. But I also, but I always thought, like, its name was, like, Walt Disney Animation. Yes. Well, that is what they have. You know, I think this is so funny because this today we're kind of talking about a lot of different things, just kind of our life with Disney right. and our legacy, kind of a broader discussion episode. Mm-hmm. But I do think one of the big telltale things of like when you grew up with Disney is how you identify Disney. Because yeah. the Walt Disney animation is what was on that sort of like sky blue white castle yes. with the lines. Like right. that original 90s logo. Mm-hmm. So in my brain, yes, I'm in the same place where I always think of it as Walt Disney or Studios. Walt Disney yeah. Animation Studios. Right. Whereas today, they just have the, you know, the 3D castle with just Disney. Right. Interesting. But I can't remember anything I've seen, even thinking back to like, like, does it say Disney Brothers on Snow White? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I can literally check that right now. Um, yeah. my gut says, no. well, cause the early ones also had RKO pictures because I believe oh. that was like the distribution company, Okay, but yeah, it's, it's tricky. I don't know. I'm, despite my nerdiness, I'm very bad with like yeah. early Hollywood distribution history. Um, I feel like early Hollywood was more distribution heavy. Like, you were more familiar with the name of the distributor than you were anything else. No, they call it, uh, <laughs> they call it a Walt Disney feature production. And granted... See? Okay. But to be fair, like, by the time Snow White was coming out, they had already gone through three different names. It had been Disney Brothers, Walt right. Disney Studio, and then Walt Disney Production. Like... I think it's easy to forget that, like, the Walt Disney Company existed for, over like, 10 years before Snow White came out. Like, right, there were 10 right, years yeah. of making, like, shorts and, like, uh, various different films before we got to Snow White. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they had a distribution contract with RKO Pictures as well, and that was, um, that's why, like, for Cinderella, you see RKO Pictures presents, um... Mm. But yes, so after what feels like a long time of prep and hype and excitement, we are finally at the D100. It is the 100th year anniversary of the company. Which is amazing because, yeah, I feel like we've been celebrating this for the last two years. Right. And I do think maybe that was exacerbated by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they, they kind of saw the writing on the wall with that and just were like, why don't we roll this out slightly early? Right. Well, because you don't know, like, what you're going to be able to distribute, what films are going to be able to come out, what... Yeah. Like, the fact that Wish is going to make it on time... I mean, granted, it's not coming out exactly on the anniversary, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, they prefer to have their November slot for their animated features anyway. Like, the fact that it's coming yeah. out on time kind of feels like a miracle, given how chaotic the last few years have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we just wanted to take a day, like, take an episode to kind of just talk about 
how we feel about Disney, sort of how they've celebrated in this sort of weird year for Hollywood, these weird couple years right. for Hollywood, and kind of just talk about how we feel, you know, how we feel and where we see the company's place in everything. Exactly, yeah. But before we dive in, I can't believe it's almost 10 minutes into this episode before I say this. I know. We're, I mean, we're, we're the best, but we're also the worst, and that's what matters. True. But before we dive into any of that, it is time for another fun episode of Sydney and Carter's Spooky Corner. <laughs> yeah, let's hit it. Right. So last week we talked about candy. Um, I will say now that like the Halloween candy is like in full force and they're doing sales and stuff. Like I've tried yeah. to cut candy out of my life, but my God, looking at those Whoppers and looking at the like Reese's collection that have the white pumpkin ghost. They, it, the pump ghosts takes better when they're white chocolate. It f- feels correct. Right. Or the Franken right, exactly. cups or it, it's, you know. It's just, like, the mixed party bags are so tempting. Right. Like, they just seem so easy. Right. You know, I mean, God gives his snackiest soldiers his biggest battles, um, which I believe is also That's the mantra true. of Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Um, it is, if, yeah. If we ever mm-hmm. get to write a Scooby-Doo movie, I'm including that line. I don't Please care do. if it makes two people laugh. But anyway, so for this week, we are talking about costumes, the other staple of the Halloween season exactly yeah these these talks have been a lot of fun um to kind of go down memory lane i feel like we're also sort of like learning a lot more about each other like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and our own uh childhoods and uh weirdly through halloween which is so strange because like i said we've been at this for over a year now right um and and we're just finally like Hey, what, what's your life like? Right. <laughs> like, it's like, it's strange. It's wild because we talk like we, we just became friends, but it's been almost a decade now. Like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It Like what? Exactly. Like, we men. Oh God, it is a decade now. 2014. Like it really is. Next a year's our yeah. 10 year. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to do the Sydney and Carter like, 10. Like friendiversary. Um, we do. Jesus yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so. Yeah, it is funny that like we still have moments where you'll just say something. I mean, again, the, the joke I always reference is the fact that you just go, man, I really like the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. And I just go like, what the, what the fuck? What? <laughs> All right. This is news. Felt right. like we should have had this established earlier, but okay. Um, Full of surprises for you. But yes, but costuming. anyway, yeah. Today, let's chat about, about, about costuming and specifically Halloween costumes. Um, so I don't know about you. Well, you know, I'll just like, I'll, I'll open with mine. I, I was really thinking about this this morning. And I remember that like, I had growing up, I had such like cost, like I had very bad, like Halloween costume insecurity because mm-hmm. like, because Halloween costumes were something that my mom was, like, never willing to spend money on. Mm-hmm. Like, she was not willing to buy them. Interesting. Like, 
She just she just wasn't. And I mean, like, to her credit, like she was a single parent, you know, like, like m- I would consider us like lower middle, like like money was always tight for us, and like Halloween costumes is something that like we just could like it really wasn't that we couldn't afford it but like it was just not worth spending money on it was something that she was not willing to spend money on but she could sew and she would make my halloween costumes and i pretty much always hated it actually Uh and there there is a great chance that she'll listen to this she knows this probably but like it was something i never appreciated as a kid that she made my halloween costumes well it's Um, just tricky because as an adult you can recognize like the effort there but as like a kid surrounded by like more because you know we live in a relatively affluent area so it's we do, like, yeah. You know, I, I have right. to imagine like a part of your brain always thinks about that when you're a kid. Absolutely, you are always comparing yourself to your peers around you because you're a child. Like, so like yeah, you don't have the scope to like not care about that. You're supposed to care about this when you're a kid, right? So like you know that also meant now. Granted, like I don't know how much you know about sewing, but like. There are full books full of of Halloween, like Halloween sewing is its own really? industry Jeez. of of people. Yes, you can find sewing patterns for just about anything, really. And it's certainly gotten much more sophisticated now with like the advent of cosplay and things like that. that like you could find like, you know, genuine sewing patterns for things. But like my Halloween costumes were always just like generic, like, like, my friends would be, like, like actual Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And I would be, like, s- sort of, like, generic in uh, an indistinct pirate. Like, it would just sort of be, a, like, a nothing. Co- like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it would be a thing, but it wouldn't be, like, anything or one specific. While, like, other kids were, like, oh, I am, am Spider-Man. Like, I am this character. Like, I was never anything specific. I was just sort of, like, a generic, like, thing. Well, I would... And I always fucking hated it. <laughs> well, yeah, but you, like, you would be friends with Hank Hill then. Because the discussion I always think about with costumes is that episode of King of the Hill where they have the Halloween... I can't believe we've referenced this twice now in our... Bo- on well, both yeah. episodes. It's a sign. It's time to talk about King oh, of the Hill. God. We can... Maybe November. Maybe we just push everything we had planned for November to some other month. Yeah. But... Anyway, like, he's, like, you know, he's looking at all the costumes that are, like, either cutesy or, like, um, themed after movies and stuff. And he's, like, where are all the goblins, yeah, ghouls, and dragons? I just saw that episode. Um, I, for, I forget who it was that it was, like, a celebrity. That it was, like, a costume of that. And he's, like, I don't even know Aladdin? what this is. I forget. Yeah, Aladdin. And I forget who the other person. It was, like, Ellen DeGeneres or something. Like, it was, like, a celebrity. And he was, like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> Um, but like, so anyway, you know, again, it's something I appreciate a lot more now as an adult that she like went through the trouble to do that. But as a kid, this was not fun for me, but Mm -hmm. there was one costume that she made that was my absolute favorite costume ever. It was, it was so amazing to me that I wore it for like three years in a row. Really? This costume, um, I think the first time I ever wore it was in the second grade because I remember being in Catholic school and this was like one of the few times that I didn't have to wear my uniform to school which is so weird to think about being in Catholic school but also like participating in a Halloween thing at school Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, I'm not going to do the math on that. But, <laughs> um, so this costume was a 1950s poodle skirt girl. Oh, I've seen, yeah. And, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, like, I mean, I wore, like, one of my own, like, button-down, you know, like, white shirts and she made this like circle skirt that was like a pretty like heather gray color i think and like cut out like a pattern of like a poodle that was like on a leash and like sewed it to the skirt and i had on these like mary janes and i had like a ribbon and it was the cutest costume ever and because she made it she could make it larger every year as i like grew so i knew it because i've seen you wear that I've, I've, I've worn it, I think I wore it for, like, three consecutive Halloweens, um, yeah, because I, because it was my favorite costume ever, and then, like, in hindsight, I was, like, I only ever wanted to be pretty, like, at, like, and, and I think this costume just, like, achieved that for me, like, I only ever wanted to look and feel pretty, and, like, and I think this was, like, the only costume that I had that ever, like, succinctly achieved that, but also, in hindsight, like, to this day, my aesthetic is it, like I am a vintage retro girly. Like that's there's a reason why my, Barbie appeal, like you strike a chord. There's a reason with why Barbie. Barbie appeals, right? And but like my own like personal taste in clothing is very like retro vintage. So it makes one hundred percent sense to me that I would be attached to like a nineteen fifties malt shop poodle skirt thing, oh, like a Happy Days costume. Uh, because, but I also grew up watching that stuff, which I think I've talked to you about. Like, I grew up watching all those old shows and, you know, like, Patty Duke and, and Happy Days and things like that. And so, um, so that was my favorite costume. So, so yeah, thanks, Mom, for making, for making all of my costumes, even though I didn't appreciate it. Um, but for making my very favorite costume ever. And I should recreate that one day. You want to know something funny? I was just talking to somebody because... Now, at, like, Spirit Halloween, there are these, like, you know, this is, like, millennials realizing that they're old, because there are these, like, 2000s girl, like, costumes, or, like, 90s girl costumes that comes with, like, a Nokia or something, or, like, 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 and some millennials are like, oh, no, like, we are old enough to have costumes of us. But I forget that, like, we grew up seeing, like, oh, 70s groovy yeah, girl costume like and not considering, costume. right, not considering that, like, that was someone's youth, like, <laughs> that, like, some other generation yeah. was having, like, an, oh, my God, like, I used to actually wear that. Why would you wear that as a costume? Right. And that was my childhood. Especially because, like, for at least in our area, like, for our high school and stuff, like, the 20s. We were one of those schools that was super into Great Gatsby because that was, like, a, a book every, oh. like, regardless of, like, what level of English you took. That was just one of the books. Yeah. There's no, like, it's not like, yeah. you know, I was in AP, so I read As I Lay Dying, which you don't read in honors or right. intermediary or whatever we called it. Um, so, like, we were super Parallel, into flap. I think is what Yeah, there it, it is. Um, yeah, so, like, the flapper mm-hmm. thing was a common aesthetic choice for, like, Halloween and stuff. And it's like, yes, you're doing a caricaturized version of 20s. It's no different than what you're doing with, like, the 70s right. hippies. Or the like, 70s disco and the hippies. Or, like, greaser. the 80s workout. Yeah. 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 Um, that, first of all, like, I, I love, like, the retrospect of, like, 
of like what what do they call it like recession trends right <laughs> like recession fashion and part of recession trends was this fascination with the, like the 1920s and like flapper culture which is like so like that time period of of everyone being obsessed with flappers and that film coming out right and being like poor in the early days of Obama yeah yeah it is yeah, it's so funny. What, what a time. Yeah, it's like, man, their, their build-up to economic disaster was so much more fun than ours. Right? Like, yeah, maybe we that's what we were longing 2000s. for. <laughs> yeah, we just had war and sadness. I've even seen TikToks of, like, all of the music during that period of that recession being like, everybody party because we're gonna die tomorrow. <laughs> like, all of the songs was like, like, all of the pop music on the radio was like, drink as much as you can and party all night. getting better. Turns out, it <laughs> yeah. wasn't over. Um, Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so... Okay. Right, for me, so I am on the other end of the spectrum. I'm disappointed to admit, like, my parents, like, mm-hmm. ten- especially my mom, tended to be one of those people who would, like, buy stuff way in advance and, like, buy surpluses of things. So, like, she would see mm. maybe the most, like, famous costume in my house, a, like, full um, Sully onesie, like, furry everything. Oh. And she'll just be like, well, someone will wear this. I should, like, get this. And it was the same thing with Christmas decorations. It was the same thing with every holiday where it's like, well, we stockpile stuff. You, you have it in case you need it. Or, like, birthday That's gifts. That's the mentality of being, like, a, the, a mother of, like, multiple children. Right. Because, like, my grandmother was that way, where she just collected items all year round and was like, it'll be somebody's birthday at some point. Exactly. Well, she does that with birthday gifts. <laughs> and then a lot of the birthday yeah. gifts where she's like, I couldn't really think of a kid for this, so do you just want... Like, so many of my Lego sets <laughs> yeah. were just like, well, I couldn't think of anyone to give this to, so I guess you can have it. And I'd be like, right. choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, those, like, early years, it was always, like, you know costumes famously my sister ended up having the silly outfit but also cat dog um wow how do you be how does that work Um, which which one was she was she the cat or the dog i think it was the cat was the top okay yes it wasn't no it wasn't (laughs) like the it wasn't like the bob's burgers everyone's in a dragon um it's like a one person suit the dog part is just a tail um okay but for me my go-to like, and it's the one costume I remember. Some of my memories on costumes are a bit fuzzy. Like, I remember being Emperor Palpatine. I remember being a pumpkin. Um, but my go-to was Spider-Man. There was a five-year stretch, mm. I believe, where I was just Spider-Man. Like, pre-Sam Raimi movies, it was, like, the generic Spider-Man. Like, oh, it's the comic book version, you know. Yeah. Sort of the lighter blue on the sides, like, big mm-hmm. eyes. Then the Sam Raimi movie, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi movies came out. And there's just a period where I was doing, like, it's like, oh, they released a costume for uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1, got that, Spider-Man 2, got that, and then I did a third one. Um, I also had the problem where I was, like, my growth spurt was, like, really early, so, like, I was burning mm-hmm. through clothes really fast. Yeah. The one thing I remember, though, the only difference is, I feel like my cutoff for, like, buying costumes instead of, like, just designing them or going minimalist was way earlier than most of my friends. So, like, I mentioned I dressed up as Scott Pilgrim. It's like, well, that's just a shirt I already have and a jacket and shoes I already have. Right. Um, Dr. Mm -hmm. House, that's stuff I already have around the house. Don't ask why I was Dr. House. I didn't even watch the show. It was popular at the time. Yeah, like, there was a point where my friends and I, when I was in, like, early high school, yeah, you just get lazy, and my, my best friend and I were like, 
oh, do you want to wear your cheerleading outfit and I'll wear my uniform and we'll just pee cheerleaders? And we just <laughs> trick-or-treated in our cheering uniforms and that was it. Right. Yeah, I feel like most people got to it in <laughs> high school. I got to it in, like, start of middle school. Like, I got there early. Wow. Where I was just like, because I love Halloween and I like, but I also like simplicity. Like, I like keeping things minimalist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in hindsight, like, a Spider-Man costume is, like, probably the most comfortable thing you can wear. Right. <laughs> Is it not? Like, I mean, you're not I wrong. can see you wanting to put that on. Right. Yeah. And I think I think a part of it is my consciousness about like social economic situations where I'm like, well, we shouldn't buy more things. We should just I was anti consumerist mm-hmm. before it was cool, everybody. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's impressive. Yeah. Careful, I'm gonna if I'm not careful, I'm gonna slice myself on my own edge. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, so like my later costumes and I think I think the difference between us was embodied. Last time we celebrated Halloween together, we were doing a Philly Cider Fest. And I was just shaggy. Oh, I had a my green gosh, shirt really funny. and like kicks and cargo pants. And you, truly unrecognizable. Right, people didn't realize I had a costume on. Whereas you yeah. were um, a Playboy bunny. I was a I was a full Playboy bunny, yeah. In a truly fabulous outfit that came from Playboy because they started sell. I don't know why they haven't always done this, but they sell like their official uniform on their website now. Um, and I bought one and uh, wore it that year to a couple of different events, including, yeah, we went out on like a cider thing. That was fun. Um, but was that on Halloween day that we did? Yes. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that was a good one. Yeah. But truly, I don't think anybody else was dressed as anything. But, but like, wasn't there a deal, like, if you came in a costume? Yes. Yeah. Um, the other one... I don't remember seeing anybody else dressed in a costume. I just wanted the cider. I wanted the theming. Right. Um, right, I think exactly. the thing that embodies... Another one that embodies us really well is, for one of your birthdays, you decided to do a Halloween-themed yeah. party. There was candy. We were all supposed to dress up. And... Yeah. You did a genie. Was it specifically supposed to be I Dream of Genie? Or were you just doing a broader um, reference? It it was a broader reference. It wasn't identical to I Dream of Genie, but it was hot pink and um definitely kind of modeled after the, all of the pieces of hers. Like it kind of had a headpiece with it and it was like a, a harem pant type situation. But it wasn't supposed to be identical to her, even though I just sort of picked the same color that she wears. Right. And, um, yeah, so... um, And you did another (laughs) Spider-Man. Yes, but this is the evolution. This is the evolution that works. Which I can appreciate, yeah. Yes, so the idea was I was Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse, namely, not Miles, obviously, the broke homeless one, as he's described. um, Peter B. Parker. Yes. Yeah. Um, So I just had the stretchy, sort of athletic Spider-Man shirt over a pair of sweatpants. Yeah. And you would, like, purposefully, like, stick your stomach out. Yeah. Well, you have to underline it. To look at that time has gotten to you. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> but that was, a, that was a good one, because everybody, like, did it and put on a costume, and, like, yeah, we had, like, a proper Halloween party um, in the middle of February. That was so much fun. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a good idea. Any other interesting costumes you've worn over the years, or do you want to introduce a fun little oh. segment? I'm trying to think. I I liked, you know, when I got into, like, my early 20s, I, like, I was in control, like, you know, Mm. 
towards the end there. But um, I'm trying to think. Oh, to be it, okay. I remember when you were in high school. I was Kesha. Wow. For Halloween, wow. <laughs> uh, a costume that Hank Hill would not understand. But um, what? yeah, because at the time she. <laughs> was like very 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 popular and i definitely remember like putting a lot of like messy glitter on my face and doing a lot of like messy eyeliner and like crimping my hair and stuff like that like i and kind of wearing like the weird like layered stuff she used to wear like i don't know if anybody recognized me that was probably one of the last years that i went Mm trick-or-treating but i went trick-or-treating as kesha one year um and then oh so in my like as an adult i started like weirdly going back to kind of like making things like all my costumes are kind of partially bought partially made and I um I had this thing where I I would decorate like bras like I would go get I did this for a while I used to do this for other people actually um where I would like buy like a cheap bra and I would spray paint it and then like bejewel the whole thing that was how I made the genie costume Hmm. and I made a mermaid version of that and I bought these, like, mermaid scale pants that made, are made to look like a tail. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, so as I get older, my costumes get more and more fun. And I, I'm one of those people that starts thinking about them, like, in January. I like that we've, yeah, I like that we go in different directions, whereas I lean into different. Yeah. Like, the most I've ever dressed up now is when I worked at a Renaissance fair, and I am perfectly good leaving it there. Well, you kind of had to be dressed up no by yes by contractual obligation yes yes exactly um yeah before we head back into the main feed of the episode do you want to introduce this uh fun little idea we have yes we are gonna play a little um guess that costume game so basically carter and i have chosen a disney character specifically um as our costume as our hypothetical costumes for this year and we're going to give each other and you listening some clues as to what we're dressing up as this year and we'll check in next week to give you time to think about it uh to reveal what our costume actually is yes so do you want to go first sure okay so I I have made mine very abstract. <laughs> All right. I like at least my clues. I've made my clues very abstract. Okay. My so my costume is the first clue is my costume is large. <laughs> and that clue really 1. Write that down. Yep, writing it down. Yeah. Large. This this character is also loud okay write that down write that down and this character is large loud and full of bugs okay Mm. okay Mm -hmm. i think i can figure this one out okay so i hope you're paying attention at home um we will check in later to see what my costume is so uh, yes, large, loud, and filled with bugs. Okay, Carter, what is your clues? Okay, so my character is a Disney animated character from the 90s. Okay. Sort of the Renaissance era. 
Um, okay. Two, they get their own song in their respective film. Okay, gotcha. Three, they were largely inspired by drag performers. Okay. They have a song, they're in a 90s movie, and they're inspired by drag performers. Yes. That's a toughie. Yes. But a good one. Yes. I do think, I might be too, I don't know, I'm curious to see. I In our friends, are, again, I, I it's, it's you have to calibrate because you're like, right, but not everyone knows as much about animation as you do because you can right. see it as a part of your job. But I, saw, I, that sounds like a conversation we've had before about someone being inspired by drag yes um One, so i think yes, i have, have an idea reference that vaguely in connection to something else okay gotcha all right so i already have a couple ideas so those of you listening at home make a note of it and i guess you'll have to tune in next week uh when we reveal what our costumes are awesome and now back to your regular scheduled programming All right, so I kind of want to begin this discussion with something a little more broad mm-hmm. and then kind of working our way towards talking about Disney and this 100th anniversary. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, in the, in the last couple weeks, actually, as recent as, as within the last few weeks, I have been noticing so many different companies also celebrating their 100th anniversary um namely well obviously we, we've kind of talked about warner brothers celebrating warner brothers. their 100th I, okay i know we've like been me hard too on them. yeah i know we've been hard on them but they're do- an episode of teen titans go is specifically about the warner brothers 100th anniversary and them leading other animated characters through the studio and i will say if there was one group of characters that you could trust to do something fun with their 100 it's the Teen Titans, because of course. Yeah. Because of course those disaster right. artists are in charge. I would agree. Exactly. If not the Animaniacs, um, it's them. I, you're right. That was going to be my other one, is Animaniacs. But I think the Animaniacs are too cynical right. for <laughs> to even appreciate their own uh, bosses, the Warner Brothers. Anyway, um, Warner Brothers is having their 100th. AMC Theaters mm-hmm. is celebrating their 100th. And the other day I was in the damn grocery store. Giant is celebrating. <laughs> Giant Foods. It is funny. Celebrating 100 years. And I'm like, gee, where were we in the world 100 years ago? Uh, was that the advent of consumerism at this yes. level? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> it is funny that we affiliate, we associate that so much with the 80s and then the 50s. And it's like, in reality, so much of like, mm-hmm. literally mass media as a concept started in the 1920s. Literally, so many of our art mm-hmm. forms originated uh, particularly um well i guess qualify american art forms were pioneered in the 1920s again i've been working on this project about the history of broadway and it's like well the first real musical musical wasn't really till the like 30s but like all the bones Mm -hmm. of it started in the 1920s like all of right so much of the bones of everything we have is based on the 1920s like the real like you know the first decade where it's like america can just vibe for a little bit Right, exactly. And For also there's electricity. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, that that has really been getting my attention lately of, um, of all of these companies 
you know, I can't tell whether or not I feel like they're sort of underachieving with their 100s or if they really are just not as important as Disney. Uh, I would say it's, well, it's a combination of both, but it's also like, and I do think as we talk about Disney and like what Disney is or what Disney even means, it's like Mm -hmm. pump insert. Of course, Disney is going all out for their 100 because Disney is, if nothing else, a master, like a brilliant branding. Like, again, you know, yeah. Walt managed to turn his name into a brand. How many people in their lives yeah. get to say that, that their name alone is a brand? Like Madonna. I was literally about to say Madonna. All right. So obviously <laughs> we are psychic today. Okay. But like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, of course they were always going to build up to this huge bombastic thing because so much of Disney's branding is, and we've talked about this in so many different ways, the idea of like, well, the CEO of Disney has to be, like, hanging out with the animated characters. He has to, like, have a little bit with Tinkerbell. Right. He has to talk like he's your uncle. He has to be a character. Yeah, he has to have a persona. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the like, so much of Disney's, like, thing is, like, shaping the narrative in their favor. Like, we talk about, like, and, like, I think it's also a testament to, like, how many companies theoretically should be having their 100th anniversary but don't exist anymore. And it's, like, because Disney has been so good at right. being, like, oh, well, our name is synonymous with America. You can't not right. have, you can't not have America if you don't have Disney. So, of course, we're celebrating it as if it's, like, the bicentennial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, like... You know, to me, like, specifically, we, I mean, I've given my criticisms to Warner Brothers, but, like, for AMC, I'm like, I can think of a hundred interesting things that they could have done, Mm -hmm. like, over the last year or even this month to, like, acknowledge. And instead, they just put, like, a little little ad, like, right before the film that you're about to see that's like, oh, celebrating a hundred years of whatever. It's like get Nicole Kidman on the line, right? Have her do a double take, make her a, give her a whole yeah. film based on it. And like some people, right? I guess you know some people are always going to prefer that. They prefer the more like subdued approach to things. But at the same time, it's I like guess. think about how many empires rise and fall on this miserable little rock we are on that didn't make it to a hundred exactly. years. Like this annoying right. Roman emperor empire meme. Did the Roman Empire even last a hundred years? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like probably not. Honestly. So few things make it to hundred. Even as our life expectancy expands, like right. even like you know, it, okay, they lasted for a thousand years, so they they have a little bit. Oh on shit! Disney. Yeah, it's a little longer than that's I thought. why we think about it so much. Um, but like, yeah, no, making it to a hundred is a big deal. Like so many things. Yeah. Like so many sports franchises come and go or get moved. Like so many things, Toys R Us. Yeah. So many companies we love. So many iconic brands. So many iconic iconographies that we assumed would be with us forever and ever are just gone. Like again, it's weird to mm-hmm. think like, oh yeah, Toys R Us was just gone. It doesn't exist anymore. The idea that right. Chuck E. Cheese's might be there soon. The idea of like, yeah, they are well on their way. Yeah, so many different things where it's like there was a brief moment during like the Wii U era where there was a real worry about like man, is Nintendo going to survive this? Or are they going to be able to make consoles anymore? And it's like, imagine living in a world where Nintendo doesn't make consoles. That just feels alien. No. That feels like, right. that feels incongruous. And again, Sega, you right. know, Sega was probably so confident that their company would get to make consoles forever and ever. Now they just make software. Like the fact that Disney has right. done what they've done and stayed on like basically the same path. They haven't had to really change or compromise themselves in too many meaningful ways. 
is pretty goddamn significant. Exactly. They should be doing exactly. Like, this is the one time, and like I don't know. I f- it's weird that we're on like, and like again, we we fight the accusations of homerism. We fight the accusations of like <laughs> like we give Disney their lumps when it's warranted. But at the same time, it's like I think so. if there was one time we can, I feel like we should all just let go these sort of like mm-hmm. pomp and self-import that Disney sometimes gives itself. These sort of peacocking, if you will. Or mouse... Right. No, I'm not finishing that thought. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, it no, is now. You. It is here and now. <laughs> for the Disney 100. Well done. Um, which is why I kind of love um, that sort of one of their big centennial things is this animated short that's going to be coming out soon. Um, it's nominally being paired with... Because I know you wanted to talk about some of the stuff they've done for the Disney 100. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the big... Sort of one of the big two things the Walt Disney Animation Studio are doing. Obviously, Wish, which is their, like, new princess musical, which in itself is a big deal because we have not had an original Disney princess musical. That, you know, the backbone right. of the company, the one of the two right. spines since Moana. Mm-hmm. That's almost, that's like, what is that, seven years ago? Half, over half a decade. Right, 2016, yeah. But there's also this short called Once Upon a Studio, that will make its premiere this Sunday, right. I believe. Um, that is, the gimmick is like, oh, all of the animated characters in the studio are doing a class, like basically a class photo. And I'm like, bingo. That is like so perfect. This has very Cartoon Network energy, you know? Yes, it kind of plays in that like, oh, Cartoon Network has, like Cartoon Network City where like they're all hanging out looking right. for the parking and stuff. And I like that Disney right. is finally doing more. I mean, I guess they did stuff like that before with, like, House of Mouth and stuff. But to do something this, like, big and bombastic with it. And, like, what we've seen so far, it's like, okay. And I guess that was one of my big things. Like, how much history are they going to acknowledge during this? And the fact that you're getting characters Mm. from damn near everything. Like, it's so funny how much stuff is in this trailer. How many characters. The... Luisa from Encanto is carrying the cows from home on the GD range. I was just about to mention that. Like, home, right. even a, the stuff that Disney should that be embarrassed they don't of. mention yes. ever. The, st- right. the stuff yes. that Disney does not like to acknowledge Stop they're getting into. reminding people you made that movie. And I do think that's one thing I appreciate um, with that short. It's a combination of, one, this is, like, how you do pomp and circumstance well. Like, sort of just doing a sort of end zone dance to celebrate your 100th year. Right. But also, like, exactly. acknowledging your whole history. Like, you know, and the fact that there's, like, so much stuff from, like, the shorts... Like, the Three Little Pigs, mm. the Spooky Trees, like, stuff that existed before Snow White existed. Just kind of, like, it's mm. nice to see them acknowledge all of it. To see the whole scope. Yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. And, like, on... I'm really looking forward to seeing the... the not some... I don't know why. I just, like, can't get hype for Wish. Um, I think I'll definitely be giving it a chance. But, um, for the... What is it called? Once Upon a Studio? Yes. Once Upon a... Yes, that I'm hyped for. That I'm, like, really looking forward to seeing. That feels like a perfect capper to this entire celebration. And exactly on a similar note, in terms of, like, history, it's made me really happy, and, like, this is such a cartery take, but it's made me so happy to see how much the studio has leaned into Oswald the Rabbit um, as of late. Oh, yeah. Because he's in the short. They made a brand new short for him. Um, like, a really cute, like, five-minute sort of silent film comedy thing. And another little mm-hmm. thing I just noticed while looking over all the Disney 100 stuff, the pass holder... So if you're, like, a season pass holder for uh, the Walt, Dis- like Walt Disney World, 
you get these little like stickers or magnets, I oh, think okay. they are. And this year it's Oswald the Rabbit. Are they pins? No, no. They're like they're either stickers or magnets. Oh. They're kind of like big. Okay. But yes, oh, I do know pin culture. So like Yeah. <laughs> again, if we're gonna do this, let's do it. Let's actually be like, let's think of literally a hundred years worth of stuff. So I for a second, like, I kind of want to talk about the aesthetic of the branding mm. of this 100 event mm-hmm. because I am still split on how I feel about it. And I feel like the color palette, all like, I don't know if this is accidental or, or intentional, but it matches the color palette of this new Wish film, of this sort of silvery um, periwinkle... I didn't notice that. That's a good find. Type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I guess I, and maybe that's, maybe, you know, maybe the color palette was sort of Disney's way of, like, getting people to kind of think of the future, which is a very, which is a very Disney sentiment of looking forward into the future. Because, because I associate Disney, I don't know why, with, like, the color gold, but... interesting. I always associate them like, with sky blue. That too. But maybe I'm kind of thinking of like Tinkerbell and like when, you know, she turns Captain Hook's whole ship gold. Like, I think, like, I, I would think that something at, like as a 100, but, but gold is a very old color. Like, gold is indicative of things that are aged. Right. Right and and silver and chrome are yeah. futuristic yeah. colors. I mean the gold or the silver makes sense, like because I think it's supposed to be platinum, and that makes sense for a hundredth anniversary. Like, yes, you are that's right. the better that word sort for of it. like deep blue they use is really in like as I look at all the witch stuff, I'm like, oh shoot, that is kind of the same color. I mean, yeah, I don't know if that was it's like periwinkle. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I don't know what color. To, it's like a pastel. Um, yeah, and as I'm looking through, like I'm just on Google Images right now, searching, searching, excuse me, searching Disney 100, and it's like everything is the chrome and or platinum, I guess you could call it, and the, these like pastel colors. Yeah, there's like half the stuff has this sort of purpley blue color, and then the other half has these pastel like rainbowy colors. Um, yeah, and it is like iridescent. I would like to say that was an intentional to connect it to Wish, but this is the company that like hid Mickey Mouse's all over their parks, so right. it wouldn't surprise me if that wasn't at least a uh, part of it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> right. It's not what I expected, but I kind of like it. I mean, maybe that's just because it's a color palette I yeah. personally like. Um, mm-hmm. I do think, and like, it's kind of one of the things we're gonna be talking around this whole episode is just the idea of like. So much of Disney is like a Rorschach test of like when you grew up with it, how your emotions or your life connects to it. Because I love that we both mm. set a different color for what we associate with Disney. And I feel like if you ask yeah. everyone, it would be so dependent on like what stuff they were exposed to, what like they grew up with, what mattered to them at the important parts of their life. Like, and I think that's the, the again, that's the history challenge of all this. It's like, how do you curate a right. billion different people's life experiences into a year plus a brand. of celebrating? Yeah, a brand. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like, I guess I just, you know, I have this very, like, like, the, like in my brain, the color palette for Disney is all, like, warm tone. Like, I just have, but, but I guess... 
I guess that comes from a place of of thinking about things in like a vintagey mm. context and everything being sort of aged. But when I do think about like the aesthetics of the parks, there is this like, and you, I think about things like the Epcot ball. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, there is a lot of like silvery, chrome, platinum-y things and blues, mm. like sort of light blues, baby blues and stuff like that uh, around like the theme parks, you know? Right. Um, it has been interesting looking at all the theme parks and just seeing all of the different, I mean, obviously they're so like locked in on whatever the new thing is. They always have new food items and new stuff. Um, it is so interesting listening. I don't know. There's just a random, it was literally, I was watching someone's Instagram post at Disney and someone just made a comment about how much of the line to see Mickey Mouse in his like a hundred regalia was adults. And like, Mm. again, it feels like you mentioned last week that, this kind of feels more like the start of our show as opposed to August, just because it's like, this is when we got into our groove. And like, yeah. our first episode was about Disney adults. And I feel like you can't have the discussion of the Disney 100 without talking about the fact that it's like, yes, this company has existed long enough that like 30 year olds, that 40 year olds, that mm-hmm. 50 year olds have deep emotional connections enough that standing in line for, to talk to a guy dressed up as a mouse isn't stupid. Yes, and I exactly. Know the pe- You've been waiting your whole life to do right. it. Right. And I know we're the guys who are like, embrace the magic, lean into the magic. And I just called it. I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like, look, if you step out for a second and look, you're like, okay, this is objectively silly, but it isn't. Yes. And that's like the power no, of I the brand. No, I agree. Right, exactly. That like, you know, this thing we're doing that's abjectly ridiculous is actually the most sincere, lovable thing we've, you've, you'll ever do. This will be a core memory right. going forward. Right, exactly. That's a really good point um, to kind of tie in the whole Disney adult discussion uh. that week. Because I feel like, you know, when we first had that talk, we were, I don't know, I want to say we were more critical of the idea of Disney adults. I think we were just either in denial of our own, <laughs> of our own Disney adulthood mm-hmm. or have, or like, you know, have we just become have we sunken deeper into the Disney adult realm as we have progressed through making this podcast? That is a super interesting question. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of both, but I also think just like, I don't know. I think just the way the world is these days, I think we've realized (laughs) like embrace the cringe a little bit. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I do think, and again, we're not beating those Homer accusations right now, ladies and gentlemen, but no, we're not trying. Yeah. yeah, this is not the episode for that. Um, right. But it is like, yeah, I do think it's a combination of like, I don't know. I guess a part of it's like I'm considered a contrarian. So as everyone's turning on Disney, I'm like, what are we doing here, people? Um, right. But also it's like when you're in deep in this stuff and you're just it, it, grappling with it all the time, I do think it's easier to understand like, oh, right. This is why I love this stuff growing up. And this is why I should mm-hmm. love this stuff. And this is why you should appreciate, like, the artistry and the craft of it more and more. Um, right. And I do think that's one quote. Like, as I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, there is a thing they're doing called the Disney 100 Crates. They're doing, like, an auction where all these artists made their own little, like, pieces, like, shoes, outfits, designs, paintings, centered around, like, some Disney thing that they like. And someone just made the comment mm-hmm. of, like, Disney is so many people's... Own- like, Disney was my first exposure to art. And it really just hit me, that line of just, like, 
that is like I guess so much of us it, so much of this episode is like trying to figure out what Disney means a hundred years on like what is its place in our culture what is its place for us and I do think mm-hmm. that is the part like that is the ticket right there that is why this stuff matters because for right. literally a hundred years worth of children a hundred years worth of young adults and kids and babies Disney is one of their first exposures to art whether it's live action whether it's staged or whether it is hand-drawn like it's drawn like the idea of like that's a really good point yeah and i kind of think that's a if we're talking about walt disney and the man i've said before you know he could animate but that was not his main thing so many of his like most iconic shorts were animated by other people what he was was a you know what he was was like and like a, a engineer-esque person. He was the person yeah. who's like, I'm going to figure out how to make a 70-minute animated man. movie, even if it kills me. Um, right. Even as everyone's like, oh, he's going to go bankrupt. He's gone mad. Right. And like, that idea of like art and like art and craft and like the idea of like people make these things. The idea of like right. there is a hand that goes here to create magic. I think is, like, if I were to say one thing is Disney, it is that idea of, like, magic exists and it's created by someone holding a pencil. You know, it's, you're absolutely correct because I don't think the other studios really had anything like that. I mean, like, you know, famously you hear about, like, I think Warner Brothers has always had, like, toured the studio. like. You know, you could visit the studio and that that is like a big tourist attraction in Hollywood. But in the 50s and like early 60s, like these kind of like televised docu like quick documentaries were kind of popular for for a lot like across a lot of different genres. Um, Like like I feel like um, Alfred Hitchcock like used to kind of bring you behind the scenes like a little bit or like tell you about like his or sort of narrate, you yes, know, like, what, what he was doing. Exactly, <laughs> yes. But um, but Disney did this a lot of, like, sh- there's a lot of footage of how his films were made, and that was, like, televised frequently. Right. Um, so, so, you're absolutely right. Um, it's um, even, I, even, like, um, what am I trying to say? Um the invention of like the imagineers and animatronics it was like the the product and the craftsmen were always like delivered hand in hand as um as a, being a part of the engine you know right. like that you were always like introduced to um the the people who were creating these things right like it it, it didn't like it wasn't a secret like obviously they have yeah. patents obviously they have thing copyrights Obviously, they've been right. very uh, strict about maintaining copyright. Litigious? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it never felt like they had to hide the trade of it. They never hide it, hid how these yes. things were made. And that's why, like... The opposite. Yeah. They, they intentionally delivered it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like... And that's why I talked about, like, animation as this sort of, like, almost, like, nightly task. Like, you know, you train, you're right. knighted, you're given reins to animated projects as you train under people. Right. And I think a part of why the 100 is so, like, striking is because we have lost so many of these animators. We have lost this history. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't for stuff like this, you know, you know, it's about, like, so much of, for me, what the 100 is about is, like, 
these little moments on like the Disney Twitter where they're showing like the different technology or the different techniques used because it's like these are traditions that deserve right. to exist. Like this is, you know, America did not invent animation. Walt Disney did not invent animation. Uh, he didn't even really right. invent. Syn- he didn't even really invent synchronized sound, but he was just better at branding than everybody else. So he got to take right. credit. Exactly. Um, but like the, so much of this craft is defined by you know his company's work and like their legacy and you know it matters that people get to be reminded of that exactly yeah um should we (laughs) reference uh the exhibition for hopefully the final time on this damn show we're going to chicago baby i have my stuff packed we're seeing it again i'm worried about us like talking about the same thing too frequently because we mentioned this again i made inside baseball 47 times an episode barkley well okay um so i'm i happen to be wearing not that any of you can see my 50 (laughs) dollar sweatshirt i i got the steal because we when we went it was like the end of that exhibit so i right so you got something that was on sale this this wasn't even on sale on the day that they were trying to get rid of everything they were like not these these you have to pay full price for um, it's, it just says Disney 100, the exhibition. It's very nice. It's very soft. It's a sweatshirt. It's like a crew neck sweatshirt. It's my favorite thing. Um, but you know, I, I think this exhibition is one of the most special parts, if not the most special part of this entire mm-hmm. event. Um, because like, yeah, what, what better way? I mean, yeah, I don't know how else to say that. What better way? to like memorial it's not even memorializing because it's not dead but like to honor like a hundred year legacy than with a damn museum right um especially an exclusive temporary one um i i think i think like i really don't have any qualms about about this exhibit i think it delivers exactly what it needed to i i don't there's nothing in this that i like was wishing for that i did not get yeah it truly was like Again, we saw it multiple times. We got to see it in different versions mm-hmm. with changes and alterations. Yeah. It really was, like, I was utterly impressed at how much it was able to cover. Really, like, and, like, I do love that at least parts of our discussion are steered by what we saw in that exhibit because, again, they are good at framing themselves. They are good at, like, reminding you why they matter, which, I mean... right. A bit egotistical, yes, but it is one of the best skills you can have as a person, so yes. why not have it as a company? <laughs> right. Uh, exactly um yeah i i also i'm not currently wearing my shirt i was saving it for sunday uh to watch the short because i god we really are fucking disney adults huh because go disney (laughs) do we delete this episode yeah let's just delete the whole we just say i got hit while by a car while running and we had to take a week off died in a marching band accident yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay um but yes um yeah, I like so much of that exhibit really colors how I sort of imagine a lot of the Disney 100, which is funny because right. like a limited amount of people were able to see that. Now, obviously, more people will get to see it and they will hopefully keep moving it around to major areas. Yeah. Because, right. Yeah, I do think like if it's w- that, what they're doing in the parks, Once Upon a Studio, and Wish, that's a pretty good little collection. I do think it's worth talking Absolutely. about like. I don't know. I was thinking about, like, what releases came out this year, but that's also skewed because it's like, well, a lot of stuff got delayed because of COVID or stuff got moved around. 
It's like, mm-hmm. okay, Pixar having Elemental as their film during the 100, I kind of think is perfect because it's like, it is a very Pixar movie. It kind of embodies so much of like what Pixar is identified as in terms of like robust, fleshed out worlds, big emotional moments, right? Um, incredible technical fidelity and like technical like technical innovation, like, you know, Pixar took their lumps for so long in their careers, so stuff like Encanto and Elemental could look amazing. Right. Um, you know, Walt Disney Studios live action, it was, what, Haunted Mansion and Little Mermaid, which it's like, well, you know, refreshing uh, two of the big brands. You can't win them all. They're both yeah. fine. Like, again, I think, yeah, they're fine. I think they're that's fine. my biggest difference. If we were back in the light year days, I'd probably be a little harder on them, but now I'm like, what's, right. there's nothing wrong with these. Marvel, I guess right. it's, you know, I, Marvel, I guess it's, um... The Marvels? Yeah, which I'm like... Or will be the Marvels? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like, for me, it's Disney and Pixar that are Thor. the centennial ones, because it's like... Yeah, you know, right, yeah. Because they are, like, the animation companies, and all of this flows out of animation. And, right, exactly. And more importantly, like, they were there from the start. I think that's one of the things, exactly, again, that yeah. strikes me as we're talking about, like, the craft and the buildup of all of it. Like... What mm-hmm. it took over, like, three years of production, not including all the time it took to, like, do shorts and do, like, you know, build an infrastructure and build a whole-ass college in California. Right. Um, right. To make a full feature animated film work is nothing short of amazing. Whereas, like, Luke, yes, you know, the three brands are Disney, Pixar, or the five brands are Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star, Lucasfilm, Star Wars, and uh, Nat Geo. Mm-hmm. But it's, like... You know, they got on all Marvel films early, like we had just gotten to Avengers, but like, you know, they weren't there for all the build-up. They weren't there for all the build-up of Star Wars. So I guess I kind of like don't really, even though they get to appear in the 100 stuff, I don't really connect yeah. them to it as much. You're absolutely right. And I and I always forget that Nat Geo is included. Again, it kind of seems Iger like the most pointless thing to have. Yeah, Iger helicopters into the Sahara as like a guy's taking a photo of a cheetah and he's like, you good? And he gives a little thumbs up. Right. And it's like, great. And then he just Good. walks back onto the helicopter. Yeah. But, yep, that's still functioning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, other other things. One thing I love is how much they've done to bring as many shorts as possible onto. Like, you know, they brought the Oswald shorts back. But they also just, like, really threw oh. a whole bunch of, like, the early, early Mickey Mouse stuff. Like, when the cat's away, fiddling around, camping out. Right. The dancing skeletons, which isn't a Mickey Mouse one, but it's another one. Um, but it's a classic, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I appreciate that it's like, I don't know, I appreciate that it's like the bedrock of the company is being represented again. That, like, and right. I watched the dancing skeletons in preparation for this, and it is just so striking. You're like, of course this lasted for 100 years. It's like, right, yeah. even though I'm watching, like... Because this holds up. Yeah, exactly. It's like, clearly I can see they repre- repeated animation frames in syncopation with the music. Right. And, like, right. it's literally three colors. And I'm like, yeah, this is the most magical-ass thing I've ever seen. It's insane that human right. beings were able to create this. Right, right. Um, what, other, um, what other big Disney... Well, there's the big Disney 100 official playlist. Um which, oh, what's on that? Yeah, that one interested me because, like, this is where the two things that are interesting to me are this and, like, the limited screenings. I mentioned, well, we can talk about the screenings in a minute, but, like, so the first song is When You Wish Upon a Star. They re recorded it with Sarah Bareilles, then Part of Your World from Haley Bailey. Halle Bailey. God. One day. One day. 
And she's like, I don't know. I feel like they're going to try and like make her more and more of the company. So I really need to get that. Let it go. Okay, those three kind of make sense. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno. Okay. Some song from High School Musical, the mm. series. Which I'm like, okay, we're losing the plot a little bit Boo. here. I will say, if I'm going to nitpick, the early things are very much like geared toward more contemporary stuff. The first 90s song mm-hmm. we get is A Whole New World, which is song 16. Mm. Life is a Highway, inexplicably, song 17. Which I'm like, it's so eh, weird. I get it. I, yeah, I kind of get it. I'm like... I meme to it. It was huge. Yeah, Cars was big. It was it was huge at the time. Yeah. Um, you've got a friend in me. He's twenty two. Uh, nobody like you and Hakuna Matata are twenty four and twenty five. Uh, t- wow. Phil Collins gets on at twenty seven. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, thirty one and thirty two are reflection, and I'll make a man out of you. See, once we get down to the thirties, that's when we get like the nineties stuff. Like, 40 is Color of the Wind, 42 wow. is Beauty and the Beast. Are they in any particular order, or, like, or is this just how they were uploaded? I think this is just how they pick, like, they just picked the song order, because all of them yeah. were added on March 19th, 2023, <laughs> or, sorry, May 19th, 2023. There's no, um, like, there's no sign of, like, why certain ones were put in what order. Um... Like, when you get lower, like, one of the last songs is Uda Lali from uh, uh, Robin Hood, and You Can Fly from um, mm, Peter that's Pan. A fun one. And it's, like, it's a great mix, but it is a little contemporary-based, which is also my nitpick mm-hmm. of, like, the selections for, like, the special screenings. I mentioned earlier that I went to the Beauty and the Beast screening, and... Mm-hmm. Again, it was immaculate. Like, they didn't change anything. They didn't add any, like, little talk beforehand. But, like, actually getting to see something on the big screen, again, you're like, oh, yeah, this is why this took over the world for a little while. When you're close enough... Right. When you're close enough and the screen is big enough that you can see where the graphite wasn't touching the paper in the pencil strokes, <laughs> or you can see where they scribbled especially hard, you're just like, mm. oh, this is immaculate. This is extraordinary. Oh, I'm inside a painting Mary Poppins style right now. Exactly. Um, but yeah, my nitpick is it's a little contemporary heavy. It's a lot of Pixar. It's a lot of like modern animation. Um, I think it's like Lion King and, um, Lion King and, um, uh, Sleeping Beauty are like the two nineties ones. I suppose it's like to kind of backpedal here, you know, on what we talked about a couple minutes ago about like 30 year olds being excited to like see Mickey Mouse. I think it's like, are we, is it a stretch to say that the only demographic that they need to, to like sell to are Gen Z? Well. (laughs) Are, are the kids that are too, are young, like, are are those the only ones that need to be convinced of anything? Well, you're saying the quiet part out loud, and that doesn't make you a lot of friends around these pots, Missy. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it is, like, I do think we do have to acknowledge that also, like, a lot of this is geared toward, like, a generation with more disposable income. Like, again, the mm-hmm. big sort of the big sort of swing point for comic books was like the eighties and nineties when they're like, oh wait a minute, adults read these, right? Oh fuck! <laughs> and they just like, what if we market everything to them, like because they have money, right? They have the money, yeah. So like, so they need to appeal to um to a demographic with more disposable income who who are like oddly critical of consumerism even though they don't totally understand why themselves 
uh, yeah. but are like critical of big business. Yeah. On a on an absolutely superficial level. Uh. Don't, and don't I get me started to, on a socialist rant right now. I, Again, all these people who are like, general strike, general strike. I'm like, bitch, we've had since 2008 to do this. If we're not doing well, it now, yeah. then we're just not doing it. We're not doing it, yeah. And we can all go home. Um, yes. Yeah. But the big That's part of, like, not to talk about Barbie movie, but it's like, a, like, another one of my favorite parts of Barbie movie is Sasha, like, the character Sasha, like, her kind of, like, um like boom in your face moment at Barbie is just like, like if you actually listen to what she's saying, she's saying gibberish. It's the most rudimentary, like, uh, she's not saying anything. Like it's, it's, it's that kind right. of feminist. It's every buzzword she's ever heard. Right. What is, what there's no, I don't think there's a phrase for it, but it's like self con like insecure feminism where it's like, you have yes. to like play up the Daria-ness of it all because like, you know, Correct. It's not just about like you know advocating for something. It's about looking cool. Right, but I'm like that's probably the most accurate part of this whole film is that sometimes I'm pretty sure Gen Z doesn't really know what they're talking about. They're just talking it. I, I I'm working on an article for the Patreon um, that talks about that <laughs> specific thing, and I need to stop myself yeah. because otherwise this episode okay. will be completely distracted. But if, like, for example, right. the big one is Pirates of the Caribbean is one of the ones in the U.S., which it's like, objectively, that is an important part of Disney history, but it's weirdly specific to our generation. Like, Toy Story feels mm. timeless enough. I'm like, okay, Lion King and Beauty sure. and the Beast, all right. Frozen, it was the sure. hugest fucking thing in the world. You know what? Let's have it. Yeah. Moana, I love Moana, but mm, okay. Um, Coco, again, like, you already have Incredibles on here. Did you need two Pixar, or did you need three Pixars? Yeah. Um, right. that sort of thing. But yeah, I do think you make a good point about like how much of this is geared toward just celebrating the company and how much of it is geared toward like, oh, let's get the, let's get Disney adults. Let's get us for lack right. of a better term. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing I would have loved to have seen is because one of the biggest things they've done for the Disney 100 is they have restored both Cinderella and Snow White. Um, Cinderella is now on Disney Plus. I have started watching it. Uh, the restoration Ooh. is simply gorgeous. It just the colors pop like it's almost overwhelming how gorgeous oh, it looks. And Snow White is going to drop on the sixteenth, like directly. It will be for the official oh, Disney One Hundred, and I'm very excited to that spend is exciting time celebrating that. Snow White was one that we had the oh that that reminds me. Okay, we used to watch that a lot when I was growing up. Really? Like, all the time. But but we had, like, the, like... Like, a lot of our DVDs, when DVDs were king, mm-hmm. um, were when they were releasing... Like, re-releasing things as, like, the Platinum Edition. Or, like, the Diamond Edition. Oh, like, you remember, remember those crazes where, like... Straight. After a certain amount of years, they'd be like, oh, Sleeping Beauty's Diamond Edition. And it would be like for 50 fucking years or something like that. Yeah. But I remember our copy of Snow White was a Platinum Edition. Mm. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. I wonder where that is now. Someday I would like to have all of... If one of my goals is for us to do an episode on every single one of the Disney animated films on this podcast, like all 62... Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, 62. Mm-hmm. Um I would also like to own all of them. Just have, like, nice steel book, 4K steel books, or, like, whatever the best version is, just on a little shelf. Right. And I just have those. Huh. Um, right. What else do we need to cover in this episode? I don't know. I don't have much else. 
Yeah, I guess, like, as we kind of, like, wrap up our discussion at, like, sort of our broad topic, I guess it is, like, you know, after a year of doing this and a hundred years of the company, like, what do you think Disney is? It's so hard, like, I don't know. Because, you know, I don't, like, we've talked about how, like, a lot of our friends were, like, in the music department in high school, mm-hmm. like, and, like, I, like, studied music theory in high school, and then, um, which is, like, music algebra, and then I got to college, and I had to take, like, like a basic music class, and there was this quiz about, like, music vocabulary, and it was, like, define what a note is, mm-hmm. and I straight up couldn't, because I, like, had this sort of a more, like, ro- robust idea of, of like, music that like I couldn't really simplify any of it into like what a beat is or what a note is like that just was kind of like that was a little too abstract Mm. and I feel similarly about answering that question of like of something that I would define as like sort of everything everywhere all at once but um you know it's it, it is such a personal thing and I guess that's why these like the branding of this has to be so, pl- like, it's not that it's plain looking, but it's got to be, like, neutral to a certain effect. Right. Because, like, every single person is sort of painting their own thing onto it based on, like, when they grew up and what the circumstances were and why. And it's, like, it, that's sort of part of the miracle of Disney is that, like, in in every version of life that every different person has, like, Disney served a very specific purpose in that life. Yeah, I honestly think you just summed it up pretty well there. Like, yeah, Disney is like it's almost element. It's almost yeah. I hate to say it, but it's almost uh, elemental at this point. It feels like yes. Like I don't in general, you don't exist for a hundred years as a person or an organization or uh, anything without like mm-hmm. you know meaning a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But it is like it is something that has kind of transcended like basic description like yes it is a company right it's also an identity it's also a culture like a pop culture it's also like yeah. one of the pillars of american art pop art mm-hmm. um and yeah it just means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and i guess for me it's just you know it's craftsmanship it is a commitment to making things for everyone like it is a commitment to a sort of sincere and magical kind of entertainment at its best yeah i would describe it as just like unabashed joy no like no matter what that means or looks like to you um because you know thinking about this it's like we 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 talk about like embracing the cringe and like you know kind of pointing the finger and kind of making fun of our our own cringy like disney adult qualities but then part of me is like well what if i just dove in yeah like what if i just became totally disney pilled and i don't think i'll ever quite get there but but like what if i intentionally just was like you know maybe like am i ready to just sink all the way in right and I, I'm glad you said joy, because I meant to write that down. Because I was watching a little bit of, like, uh, Sleeping Beauty today, just as, like, a get-yourself-hyped thing. 
And, mm-hmm. like, I watched a little bit of Steamboat Willie. I've watched so many, like, little shorts and stuff. And the thing I just keep going back to is, like, I'm just excited. Like, this just makes me happy. Like, there is something so yeah. primordial about, like, the animated form, about drawing, where it's, like, isn't it so... Even if it's scary or even if it's, like, a sad scene, it's, like, isn't there something so joyous and, like, exuberant about, like, someone like someone drawing a person and giving them life. Yes. Could not agree more. And like, I don't know. How do you feel about Disney going into year 101? Oh, um, I don't know. The most nostalgic parts of me are hope is like, is longing for, you know, the way that the company felt when I was its target demographic. <laughs> but I think that's just like, it's so ubiquitous with our lives that like we, it, it looks like whatever we look like. Like mm-hmm. Disney looks so different to each person because like it's just become a part of our household or our families um, in whatever stage of life that we're at. So it's like, as anything evolves, we, we, you know, start to not recognize it anymore. Um, but really, like, we're just kind of getting old. But it seems like it's so I, so I say that to be like, it's hard to think about, like, it's it almost doesn't feel like a question about Disney aging and more of a question about myself aging and how I feel about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've had trouble with this part of the question, too. And I get like, I mentioned last week where, weirdly, I've become so calm about Disney, whereas everyone else is, like, wringing their hands and they're like, oh, this part, they've fallen off, or this, or that. And I'm just like, everything's going to be fine. And I think, like, there's been a challenge for me getting hyped up for this episode just because, you know, the ongoing SAG strike, or, yeah, SAG after strike is still going on. But, like, Mm -hmm. we know how it's going to end. SAG will win. The writers won, they'll win too, and the animation studios will win too. And... For me, if there's one thing you can say about Disney, the one, like, of all the things that have been the one thing that's been holding them back, it's their tough relationship with, like, labor. They simultaneously celebrate the hand of the creator while not, like, fully letting them flourish. And that is going to change. We've already seen how that's changed as an effect of the writer's strike. So for me, like, we are about, like, I think we're going to get into one of the healthiest spaces for artists and creators that we've seen in a while mm. after these dark days. And from there, I just, Disney magic with that, who knows what we could see. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Any final thoughts as we wrap up? No, let's take her home. And until we're back here for the next big milestone... I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Happy 100, Disney, and have a magical day. And thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash disneydesk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.
But before we do anything else, it is time for another fun segment of Sydney and Carter's Spo. Quarter. Nice. I love that you you're going the werewolf angle mm-hmm. as opposed to like the ghost angle, which would be more like spooky. Oh shoot! No? Should I do should I do a different monster every time? Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> that would be very Let's do funny. a retake. Let's do a retake. <clears throat> okay. I'm not. I'm. I'm putting this part at the end of the episode. We are fucking jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> that's great every now and then you just have a moment where you just sit down and i'm like i am an ass and that's okay 